The game is over. Your Bucks postgame show starts now. Welcome to Bucks Talk. Insight, analysis, and your chance to sound off on the game you just heard. Now to break it all down, here's your host, Justin Garcia. Joe Prunty improves to, uh, I believe, 24-16 and 16 now as an interim coach for the Bucks, for the Atlanta Hawks as well. He went 21-16 and 16 six years ago, nearly six years ago to the day that he took over in Milwaukee the first time. 2-0 in Atlanta last year before Quinn Snyder arrived and took over. And now Joe Prunty wins this one tonight. We don't know, we don't have official word on who the new head coach of the Bucks will be yet. I think it's safe to say you can read between the lines and see some of the chatter that's out there and form a, a pretty solid guess as to who it's going to be. So I'll preface by saying that. And we did hear from John Horst prior to the game they're going to act swiftly here. Um, does that mean tomorrow? Does that mean Friday or this weekend? Who knows? All we know is this is going to be a fluid process, but one that they hope to have resolved very, very quickly here. Because as we mentioned, uh, you, would, you would think you do want your new head coach in place by the time you hit the road, really. It's going to be a five-game road trip that starts Monday night in Denver against the Nuggets, you don't return to Milwaukee until February 8th. So you're going to be on the road for two weeks, essentially. And by the way, when you do return home, it's against the Minnesota Timberwolves. So it doesn't get very much easier. But I would believe you want this wrapped up by the time you do leave for the road. So I'm expecting we'll find out some more news about who is the head coach of the Bucks. Maybe tomorrow, maybe in a couple of days, but sometime in the very, very near future. We played those comments from John Horst on the uh, pregame show prior to tonight's game, and we can certainly get into some of the things that John Horst had to say that led to this decision, the impetus for it, the uh, thought-making or the, the thought process behind it. But I, I do want to hear from you as well because we tackled a little bit of this last night on uh, Bucks Weekly as the news was just developing that after 43 games, the Bucks were moving on from their head coach, Adrian Griffin. I do want to start with this, though. You will hear a lot of comparisons to the move the Cleveland Cavaliers made to move on from David Blatt after 41 games, when the Cavaliers were 30-11, and 11, when it was almost to the day, the date that this move was made. I believe that was January 22nd as well. Uh, There are some major differences between that uh, Cavs decision to relieve David Blatt of his duties and what the Bucs did here with uh, Adrian Griffin. Number one, that was David Blatt's second year in Cleveland. That was not his first year. He was not 41 games into his tenure as the Cavaliers head coach. He was 41 games into his second season in Cleveland as the coach of the Cavaliers. It was a Cavaliers team whose expectations were drastically reshaped in that second year. When David Blatt arrived, it was a down year. It was a down period for the Cavaliers. LeBron James was playing basketball in Miami. And the thought was this was going to be a team that continued to rebuild. They had the number one pick, which they ultimately traded that offseason and brought in Kevin Love. So it was a very, very different situation and one where the expectations did drastically change year over year, which ultimately led to 
a lot of what went behind that move to move on from David Blatt. But here is the other thing. The Cavaliers had Tyron Lue on staff. And I mentioned Joe Prunty's record. He is now 24-16 and 16 as an interim coach in the NBA. Three different stops doing it. The Bucks don't have a Tyron Lue on staff. That is not a knock on Joe Prunty or Patrick Matumbo or Trevor Gleason, Josh Oppenheimer, Vin Baker, none of the, none of the coaches on the Bucks staff. It is not a knock on that. You don't have that guy that Tyron Lue is. Tyron Lue had a relationship with the players, with that staff, with the team already. He was a part of the staff the year prior as well. This staff is largely new. I mentioned Josh Oppenheimer and Vin Baker. Those are holdovers. But a lot of this staff has changed. It is not a great comparison. The only real comparison you can make between what happened with David Blatt and what happened with the Bucks yesterday is the fact that the record was very close for that one season. That's where the similarities end. I'm not going to say this is unprecedented, but I think you saw a lot of the reaction to this move that, that, that shows you just how uncommon this move was for the Bucks to move on from Adrian Griffin after just 43 games, and to do so, by the way, with a 30-13 and record, the second-best record in the Eastern Conference. So I said a lot there. There is still a lot to unpack, and I do want to revisit some of the things that we did hear from John Horst, but this is a post-game show, so we do need to talk a little bit about what we saw from the Bucks tonight because what we did see, I don't know if I would say it was markedly different, but I think there were some noticeable differences in what we saw on the floor tonight versus what we had largely seen for 43 games. 855-616-1620 is the number to join us tonight. The uh, talk and text line to join us on the show tonight. So your thoughts on this fluid situation as the Bucks search for a head coach, we'll put it that way, what led to that coaching change, but also some of those differences that we saw on the floor tonight. We'll get into all of that after this on Bucks Talk. Ten-point home win tonight for the Bucks, who knock off the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they do so in the first of who knows how many games with Joe Prunty at the helm as the interim head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. So again, there is no official word yet on who the coach of the Bucks is going to be. I think it's safe to assume who it's going to be, and, and all the chatter out there, where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, we got into a little bit of that conversation last night and what to expect there, what a change could mean for this team. I do want to revisit some of the things that John Horst had to say as, as we met with John Horst prior to the game today. He talked with the media for about 15 minutes and um, had some interesting things to say as we move uh, forward here with this uh, this team and this change. So we'll, we will get into that. But I do want to hear from you as well. 855-616-1620, the uh, talk and text line to join us tonight on the show. Let's head to that uh, phone line and talk with Bob in Menasha. You kick things off. What's going on tonight, Bob? Yeah, thanks, Justin, for taking my call. I, I listened to you guys. I, I, I missed the other night, but I, I certainly and, and you're the most optimistic person I've, I've ever heard, and I just hope now that uh, Thing, things do work out. You've been so polite to the to the to the staff, to the head coach, and uh, and uh, that's you're to be congratulated for that. But just a couple of things that Horst said is, or 
Hurst, whatever his name is this afternoon. You know, he said they're such a very, very talented team. And I think they are, as long as Middleton can stay healthy. Do you agree with that? But he's, he's sort of the, uh, the straw that, that uh, uh, helps the drink, I think, don't you? Middleton? Yeah, I mean, he. he yeah. He, I, I mean, we all know that the Greek is is the best player there is, and Lillard certainly can score. But I think they, you know, Beasley's going to hit a few threes now and then. But you know, if like tonight, Middleton had what, at least two threes in a row, and uh, when when he gets going, if he can stay healthy, but a seven game series that bothers me a little bit also. But uh, uh, I just always worry about what's coming off that bench. That scares me a little bit also. What's, what's your opinion on that? Well, and thanks for the call. Yeah, thanks for the call, Bob. I'll, I'll start with the Middleton thing. Yes, I would agree. Um, straw that stirs the drink, it may be a little strong, but you know, Chris Middleton is a tertiary scorer on this team. And if you have a guy as capable of doing what Chris Middleton has shown to consistently do this season, and that was one of the things that we heard from John Horst uh, prior to this game, is... They dealt with a lot of change, as we mentioned, through all of this season, when we've kind of cautioned this is going to take time. And I know you guys have been annoyed by that, and I get it, that you keep hearing the same message over and over, be patient, it's going to take time. You're willing to give that patience if you see some of the results, and we didn't always get those results. But you know, John Horst mentioned that was kind of part of the change, too, is you're learning Damian Lillard. He's learning you. You were learning a new system and a new coach, and with that comes uh, – Different schemes, different ways to do things, different terminology. So all this is going to take time. And you factor in as well, you had Chris Middleton early in the season, but he was on a minutes restriction. He wasn't playing in back-to-back games, and that was kind of an onboarding process. But now he's, he's I don't know if we can say he's fully cleared it. We did see him miss one of those uh, sets of back-to-backs just recently, though as we heard, the thought there was just, well, it's, it was three games in five days. So let's let's take it easy here. But he's moved past that, and I think what we have seen from Chris Middleton, you went from the stat lines of 10 or so points and and playing less than 20 minutes to now he's cleared that bar, and he has consistently given you pretty significant and uh, and heavy minutes here tonight for Chris, 32 minutes, 8 of 15 from the floor, 24 points. He has consistently been a lethal scorer. And that's what makes this team and will ultimately make this team very dangerous. It's not just that two-man game from Damian Lillard and from Giannis, which we heard some interesting things from Joe Prunty I do want to get to uh, just moments ago in the postgame as well. But it's not just that. It is the fact that, you know, for so many playoff runs, as good as Giannis is, Chris Middleton was your most reliable half-court offensive player. And now that's going to be Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is going to be the guy, we assume, when you get to the playoffs, that will be that threat in the half court. You know what threat Giannis poses offensively, defensively, the whole package. And then you have Chris Middleton, who is going to be the third option. And as good as he is looked, that is a terrifying third option to have. So I would agree with that assessment overall on Chris Middleton. In terms of the bench and what you bring up, and that you need some more from the bench, I don't necessarily disagree with that. However, as as we've talked about a couple of times on this show and other shows, you do have to keep in mind a couple of things. Number one, for the most part, I'm not saying it's every single team, but for the most part, the teams that you do see with benches that score at the highest volume, 
those are typically not your best teams in the league because you know, everybody's scoring roughly around the same amount of points. And I know you look at the Pacers, you look at the Bucks, you look at the Celtics and the Sixers and their offenses and what they've done of late. And sure, you have teams that are going to average 125 or more points versus teams that are around 110, 115. But you're, you're, you're still largely in that same spot. And if your bench is scoring more, it means your starters are not. And your starters, I know it's not, a, it's, it's not just who starts, it's who finishes the game. Your starters are typically playing the most minutes of the game. So that does kind of tell you where that team is if your bench is that productive. Again, that's it's not a recipe for every single team, but by and large, that's what you see. This Bucks team is constructed to get scoring from their starters. Chris Middleton, as we mentioned, is your third option. Giannis and Damian Lillard are capable of being 30-point-a-night scores. Brooke Lopez still has it to be a 20-point-a-night score. Malik Beasley, as Bob mentioned, is capable of heating up as well. So you're not worried about the offense that you're getting from your starting lineup. You can't just construct a bench of guys that are going to score. The bench is constructed to, to get stops and to play defense. And you think back to the previous five years, under the previous coaching staff, under Mike Budenholzer, your bench largely was constructed to protect the lead. You're going to get scoring from your starters. It had always been the case with Giannis and Chris Middleton and, and Drew Holiday the last few years. You're going to get scoring from your starters. Your bench is the role players that you can, you can rely on in a pinch, that can either spot start or they're guys that, that you say, we're going to hand you a 16-point lead. When you leave the floor, we want that lead to be 16 or 10, or 12, somewhere around that range. That's what you need from this bench. So I know we've often pointed out, eh, bench was outscored by X amount of points, and that was the case again tonight, 42-22, to 22, the bench scoring. They were very productive in the first half. 20 of those 22 came there, but you can't have it all. And I think this bench just needs to start to move back to being that reliable group. Jay Crowder. I liked what I saw from Jay Crowder tonight, especially those minutes he was matched up on Donovan Mitchell. I had mentioned Donovan Mitchell got going and heated up in the fourth quarter. We did not see Jay Crowder at all in the fourth quarter. Jay Crowder did a very good job staying in front of him. He is going to be a big key to this team, and he fits exactly what we're talking about. He has the ability to hit shots, as we saw tonight, with that above-the-break three-pointer. He has the ability to do that, but he also gives you defense and is one of those guys that you trust to say, just, just go out there and make plays and execute and don't surrender the lead. Bobby Portis gives you a little more of the scoring. He gives you some of those other areas as well. Pat Connaughton, when everything is clicking, is that same type of guy. So really, that's what you need the bench to move closer to. You need to get that type of production. Maybe not necessarily scoring. You need that defensive production. And as much as it doesn't always tell the story of the game, that plus-minus number. In other words, how many points better was the team when you were on the floor versus when you were off. That's what you need from this bench. Maybe not big offensive performances, but just don't surrender leads. If they can consistently get that, that will be a huge shot in the arm for this Bucks team as well. A couple of other areas that gave them a big boost tonight I do want to get into. And also, I mentioned those comments from John Horst. A couple of things stood out. We'll get into that conversation after this on Bucks Talk. 126 to 116, the final score here at Fiserv Forum as the Bucks knock off the Cleveland Cavaliers in the first game with Joe Prunty at the helm as the interim head coach of the Bucks. 
855-616-1620 is the talk and text line to join us tonight on the program. And uh, look, as, as we had mentioned too, the Bucks do not have any official announcement over the new hire of the head coach. I'm sure if you do enough digging and sleuth work, you can see some reports that are out there. But uh, nothing is official yet. I would say where there's smoke, there typically is fire. So I, I think at this point it is safe to assume there is a very qualified candidate and a good chance that uh, that coach will, in fact, be taking over for the Bucks. But as of this moment, we wait to see who is going to fill that role of head coach versus the interim head coach in Joe Prunty. And as we heard from John Horst prior to the game, they had a conversation with the players, um, and as he put it, you know, part of this, the, the whole communication over this, it's you know just moving quickly and giving a consistent message that he caught up with some, some of the players uh, at shoot-around today. He talked to some on the phone. He talked to some through text. Some of them he did catch up with in person. But just delivering that message of this is what we're doing, this is why we're doing it, this is the next steps here. This is what we're hoping to accomplish. So delivering that message to the team. And overall, I think the most consistent theme we heard from John Horst in those roughly 15 to 20 minutes that we did hear from him today were, look, we did this, and as John Horst reiterated multiple times, he still believes Adrian Griffin is going to be a head coach in this league and is going to be a very good head coach. But this was a team that had an immense amount of expectations. And Adrian Griffin is still very much learning and a new head coach. So the thought is we're a good team. We need to be a great team. And this is a process and a move made to move us from good to great. 855-616-1620 is the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Let's head back to the phone lines and catch up with Will I am. Justin, how's it going, man? Hey, another nice Bucks win here. Also, shout out to the interim coach there, Joey, for that first win. I like that. Very impressed uh, with the team tonight, Justin. I felt that they responded really well after the swift decision by upper management to get rid of Coach Griffin. Like you said, I think he's going to be a good coach as well. But when it's ring or bust, you know, that's a big plate to fill especially as a first-year coach. But tonight's ability to keep the game under, you know, 130 points on the defensive end made me happy. To see the intensity up made me really proud. And then to see Jay Crowder, like you mentioned prior to accepting my call, so good to have him back on the floor to spread the ball out. You know, give those defenders, uh, give those offensive players on their team the problems that we've needed since, you know, his departure. And I'm just happy that, they responded this well, Justin. They were much more connected defensively, and I think a lot of that started with their work on on the glass, that they did a very good job, and I know this isn't defense, but they did a very good job on the offensive rebounds early that created second-chance opportunities. They didn't do a great job of capitalizing on those because I believe the Cavs outscored them in, those, in that second-chance points category and, and points off of those offensive rebounds. Um, but you, you can't just judge on how many points you score there. The, the the other part about crashing the offensive boards is 
it helps your defense by reducing the amount of transition opportunities for the opponent. And, you know, Will, as, as you know very well, um, the areas that, that you would really point to to say, man, what is going on with this team was their work on the glass. You know, for the last five years, they were either number one or number two on defensive rebounding, in defensive rebounding. Total rebounding as well. They're, I believe, in the top five for overall rebounding rate in each of those uh, past five seasons. That was not the case so far this season. They were struggling on the glass. They were giving up a lot of transition opportunities. And in terms of the amount of possessions that end in a turnover, the Bucks entering tonight were dead last. It's not surprising. They have never been a high-pressure team in forcing those turnovers. That was the big change here. But if you're not getting any of those, you're giving the opponent quite a few looks. And, and that's the big thing, is if you're not forcing turnovers and you're not getting rebounds, the opponent is going to be taking more shots than you. And that's largely what we've seen throughout the first, what, 43 games of the season. Agreed. And when you give these teams that have professional athletes multiple chances to find a rhythm, multiple chances to get themselves set, multiple chances to pretty much establish shots since we're not stopping the rebounds, that causes problems. But tonight to have that ability of us to show and be the aggressor on the boards and then even to drive the lane tonight, I really liked what I saw. Saw a lot of breakaway Giannis dunks, looked nice. And you got you to feel something when you saw Chris with the little exclamation point there. So happy he's got his legs back, and I'm, I'm really happy that minute restriction's gone, Justin. I know we harped on it earlier, but when he's going out there, man, he looks really good this year. He has looked really good. And, um, look, even defensively, I know there were some knocks there, and I, I kind of compare it to Clay Thompson in that is he the same player physically on the defensive side? that he was a couple of years ago? No. And he probably won't be at this stage in his career and the injuries that he's dealt with, very similar to Clay Thompson. But what both of those players do possess that is still very useful and helpful defensively is, number one, the size that they have, and secondly, the basketball IQ, the defensive acumen and knowing, well, I need to be here, and my my teammate is going to do this, especially with that baked-in chemistry with Giannis and Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis, for that matter, and Pat Connaughton. They still have that. He still knows where to be, how to move defensively, and the length that he uh, he brings as well helps offset whatever amount you want to put on him that, that maybe is not there physically anymore on the defensive side. But I don't know that you can make that argument offensively. If anything, Chris looks as good as he ever has offensively. We even saw a spry Chris Middleton dunk tonight. Yeah, the ability to see... Uh, Christopher James, get those legs up, man. It was crazy. I love that. And then to end on my final point, Justin, you could tell Chris was in the zone tonight in the fourth quarter when he shorted that three. They got the ball up to the key to Giannis. Immediate hand raise. Give me the ball right back. The pump fake and the drill, man. I'm, I'm so proud of Chris. I'm really happy that he's on the progression up. And I think he's playing better ball than Clay. Go Bucks, man. Thanks for taking my call, Justin. Yeah, thanks for the call, Will. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk is the Bucks with a 10-point win in um, their first game with Joe Prunty as the interim head coach of this team. Uh, as we mentioned, we're still waiting on official word of who's going to take over as the head coach. 
gave you some of the comments from John Horst that he made prior to this game, the Cliff Notes version of it, but I do want to get into some more of what he had to say. Uh, before we do that, again, the takeaways that you had were, if you read between the lines, and John Horst basically referencing a couple of times, we just felt like we needed to go from good to great. And we're very good so far this season. The record indicates that. We've seen it offensively. We've seen flashes of it in other areas that, that we, we just kind of need to to improve. You know, we're on a path to maximize this group, and we want a coach that can really take us to the next level. Next level is something that we heard quite a bit in the course of those 15 or uh, or 20 minutes. And that's kind of where... I think everybody's mind was wandering to, and what a lot of the discussion was of, look, I understand the record is there. Second-best record in the Eastern Conference, and I think the fact that this wasn't universally met with eyebrow raises, I know other coaches have been outspoken about this, as you would expect, because if you're a fellow coach, what does that say about the industry where you can first 43 games of your career, win 30 of them, have the second-best record in your conference, and you don't even make it to the All-Star break before losing your job. So you understand that backlash. But the fact that this was not universally met with shockwaves of, wow, did you see the Milwaukee Bucks fired their head coach, I think speaks to what John Horst was talking about. If things were good, we need them to be great, and we need to get to the next level. 855-616-1620. Is that talking text line to join us tonight on the show? Let's uh, head out to North Carolina and catch up with Justin. What's going on tonight, Justin? Hey, man. Great game tonight. I really love the ball movement. I love the fact that the guys came back. And even amongst all the craziness going out here, going on in the Milwaukee Bucks world right now, they found a way to send a message to a team that sent us a pretty good message on their home court the last time we saw this team. Um, I'm a big John Horse fan. I, I love a lot of the moves that he makes. I love the the cojones to hire John Horse in the beginning after John Hammond, right? Like I, I love John Hammond for what he did, but I, I'm gonna tell you, Justin, I'm not happy with the way that Dr. Griffin was done in this situation. I understand that we're trying to go good for great, and that makes total sense. But at the end of the day, when John hired this guy, he knew what he was. It's not like he fudged his resume, and all of a sudden we find out this guy wasn't a 10-year veteran coach that won three championships. We knew he was a rookie coach that was going to learn. But I, I give you this nugget, man. What if the Toronto Raptors, when, the, when they were struggling that year, when they upset us, would have fired Nick Nurse? Would they have still won that championship? I don't know. So I would have much rather see us stay on the ship with this guy. I, I would hate to see uh, Dr. Griffin go over to Philadelphia help them comprise and win a championship. Like, I think there's a lot of challenging stuff that he brings. And my other point where I'm disappointed is I'm disappointed in Doc Rivers. Like, you came in as a consultant, and this is all alleged, right, because we don't know any of this to be a fact. You came in as a consultant, and you kind of helped Dr. Griffin's demise. And that's not cool because his first year when he was in Orlando, no one did that to him. And I just wonder how would he feel if the tables were turned on him, Justin? I mean, the last part is is, is an interesting one that, that I, I think we've seen brought up a few times. I will say this to your first point, the difference, but 
you also preface with this, the difference between that scenario you, you laid out with Toronto and Nick Nurse is Nick Nurse did have extensive head coaching experience prior to getting that Raptors job. The G League, sure, but also internationally that, that he coached over in London and um, was a head coach at multiple stops prior to getting that job in Toronto with the Raptors. Adrian Griffin had none of that, not even in college, not in the G League. I know he filled in for Nick Nurse a couple of times the last few years, but he had no head coaching stops on his resume prior to this. Now, to your point, that was not a secret. You know, that wasn't as if the Bucks discovered that a month into the season. So I think that was the, the biggest thing that um, all of the media, and there was quite a few, there was more members of the media here in this building today for that press conference with John Horst than I have seen since the playoffs of 2021. It was a packed house, and I think what you brought up was was probably the number one thing that people wanted answered, and you heard the first few questions of the night uh, directly getting to that of what changed, why did you decide to make this move, and did you misjudge anything in the process? That kind of speaks to the point that you brought up of, you know, do you second-guess anything that you did? And John Horst said, no, I have no regrets. I believe in the hire we made and the process we went through. Adrian made contributions to this group. It's just taking those contributions and making them better. So that was the big takeaway. And the big thing that I, I think we heard either bluntly asked or inferred to quite a bit in that process where he took upwards of you know 10 to 15 questions tonight and that was kind of the undertone of all of it of so what changed between now and what june when when you made this hire well kudos to bucks media for those questions man because i think if you make a move like that and i'm sure john was prepared for this because he is i really believe john horse is the best gm in basketball i want to make sure that all bucks nation understands that and i'm not i I said my piece on it and now i've made peace with it with you and Bucks Nation. Now what we got to do is we got to turn this corner and we got to hope Doc can turn us up another level, like they said, from good to great, and we go ahead and we have this parade. Because everything that we do from now on with Dane and with Giannis and with Chris and with Brooke and with all these guys is geared towards a parade. And if we're not headed in that direction, I don't care if we got to pay five coaches at once, get rid of them, but just let's do it in a classier way. You, you know, one, one last thing, Justin, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and let the other folks talk. You remember when we did this with Jason Kidd, and you remember the backlash we we took from it. And the reason why we took that backlash, because we hadn't arrived yet, and we kind of did Jason Kidd dirty, in my opinion. Regardless of what you think about him as a basketball coach, I think we could have handled that much better. Now, people aren't really jumping down our our throats as much, so it it at least lets us know one thing, that we've arrived. But, hey, man, go Bucks, man. Hope we beat these Cavs again, and we just keep it trending in the right direction, my guy. Yeah, thanks for the call, Justin. Um, yeah, I remember that well when they fired Jason Kidd because it was a very similar uh, situation in terms of where it was on the calendar year. It was almost you know, to the hour, the same time of day. The Bucks played that day a home game against the Phoenix Suns. I remember being at the arena two hours at the Bradley Center, an hour or two hours after that news was made that uh, Jason Kidd had been fired and seeing that uh, we would hear from ownership and the front office at that same time, at 5.15, the, the, the slot that's reserved for the head coach, to speak. And a lot of that reminded you about what we saw 
today, the biggest difference that, that Justin touched on is this team is in a much different spot now than they were then. And I, I think the biggest thing and the biggest difference is how they handled that in terms of handled the season, maybe not the move, but how they let the season play out. I'll explain what I mean after this on Bucks Talk. 126 to 116, our final here. The Bucks knock off the Cavaliers and get a much-needed win after the way the, uh, the things played out between these two teams last week in Cleveland. You heard from Joe Prunty after the game that, look, we knew it was imperative to get off to a good start. They did not do that the last time they played with the Cavs scoring 22 of the first 24 points of the game. But as Joe Prunty mentioned, I know it wasn't a good loss, and the optics certainly were not great. But we're not the only team that Cleveland has been doing this to lately. They had a stretch of of a handful of wins where the average margin was around 22 points, and they were jumping on teams early. They beat the Bucs. They beat the Magic in that stretch. But prior to that, it wasn't the most challenging schedule. But it's kind of similar to what we mentioned about the 76ers early in the season. They played a very similar schedule to the Bucks, And you heard a lot more chatter and the Sixers getting a lot more attention and picking up steam in terms of, is this team scary? Than the Bucks did because while they were playing similar levels of competition, the Sixers were blowing those teams out. The Bucks were eking out wins in the clutch. Cleveland may not have played, again, there were some challenges. They may not have played the most difficult schedule of late during that win streak, but they were blowing out bad teams, and they were jumping on them early. So that was part of the the discussion of we can't let this happen again. Uh, I mentioned just moments ago, as Justin brought up, the firing of Jason Kidd, which occurred six years ago, nearly to the day of when the Bucks moved on from Adrian Griffin. It was January 23rd, yesterday, where the Bucks fired Griff. It was January 22nd, 2018. It was also a Monday when the Bucks fired Jason Kidd. There was a game that day at the Bradley Center against the Phoenix Suns. Joe Prunty stepped in as the interim coach. And as we would see, Joe Prunty would retain that title of interim coach throughout the remainder of the season, coaching the Bucks to the playoffs. They ultimately lost in the first round to the Boston Celtics, and that would be the last time that the Bucks would fail to get out of the first round up until last year. The difference between that year and this year is, and look, Joe Prunty's a very good coach. He is very experienced. He's been on a number of staffs. You could hear it when he was speaking after the game as well. He knows what he's talking about. He's a good coach. The players love him and respect him. The difference between 2018 and now is that was a young team. That was a team where Giannis had not ascended to the MVP quite yet. That would come months later, but Giannis hadn't reached that MVP status yet. Giannis was still an all-star and very, very good and an all-NBA player. He wasn't quite at that level yet. Chris Middleton was very good. They were still younger. They had not won in the postseason yet. You had some time to say, okay, let's wait until the summer when the candidate pool is larger when we can really take our time and we can pour over this and find who is the best candidate out there. It'll put us in a better spot and set us up for long-term success. That was Mike Budenholzer. We all know what happened after that. You were a mainstay in the playoffs. You were one of the best teams. You won the most games in the NBA over that five-year stretch. You won an NBA championship. You can't do that now because this is a veteran team. This is a team 
where your window, it may be two years, it may be three years, it's not infinite, right? Like you thought it was six years ago. You're in a spot where there is more urgency because you got to do this now. And while waiting until the offseason to find a coach and to find one that, that fits perfectly with everything that you want to do, with the schemes, with the players, with the personnel that you have, you're not afforded that luxury. So right now what you have to do is make the best of what is out there now. That's why you've seen those names that have popped up out there. The name that's coming up the most, that's why you're continuing to see that because that's the best that's out there now. That's the biggest difference between now and 2018. 855-616-1620 is the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. We'll share some final thoughts and take a look ahead to game number two with these Cavaliers on Friday night after this on Bucks Talk. 126 to 116, the final here. A triple double from Giannis. Big games from both Damian Lillard and Chris Middleton. And a defense that looked much, much better tonight. More connected, a good job on the glass. We did not see nearly as many of those same issues that we talked about before. Uh, getting beaten at the point of attack, into the lane and the blow-bys, all of those things, they were cleaned up at least tonight. You have to make this a trend. You have to continue to improve upon that and consistently do so, but you at least leave tonight liking what you saw from this defense. And whoever this is that takes over for the remainder of the season, the big emphasis, not only those things, and grabbing that low-hanging fruit and raising your floor, but the, the other big emphasis is going to be really maximizing, as that word came up a lot, maximizing that two-man game with Giannis and uh, Damian Lillard and continuing to get this offense. It's already elite, but finding more of that stability and consistency with this group, whoever this is that takes over the job as the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Friday night, these same two teams, the Bucks and the Cavaliers, from here inside of Fiserv Forum. And it's going to be interesting to see what version of the Cavaliers we see. It is going to be interesting to see what version of the Bucks we see. And if we have a permanent head coach in place by then, we shall see. But the Bucks and the Cavaliers Friday night from this building, 7 o'clock tip-off once again. And we'll see what Giannis has in store Possibly a third straight triple-double as he's recorded them in the last two games tonight against the Cavs and Monday against the Detroit Pistons. But Friday night is when we reconvene Bucks and the Cavaliers. Round two in this series, round four on this regular season. 7 o'clock tip time from here inside a Fiserv Forum. 6.30 is when our pregame coverage begins on the Bucks radio network. And as always, be sure to stick around after the game for Bucks Talk, and uh, be sure to stay tuned in these next two days if uh, there are any late developments on that coaching search. Friday night, we'll talk again with more Bucks Talk after the Bucks and the Cavaliers.